Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. You are tuned in to Booksmart's Authors on Show with Christy Francie. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Booksmart's Authors on Show, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. I am your host, Christina Francie, and today I am thrilled to be interviewing Risa Wolf, who is the author of Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear, The Easiest Way to Learn the Hardest Subject. Uh, she's a confident public speaking TED Talker trainer and has a PhD in psychology. We are so honored to have you on to the show today. Now, Risa, tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got to where you are today. Well, the first part isn't all that interesting. The part that really launched where I am today is that I was training people uh, in a seminar company, the largest and oldest seminar company in public speaking skills. And I noticed I was pretty good at it. I was a good speaker and I, I really knew how to teach well. I got great evaluations all the time. And I thought, I'm going to be a keynote speaker on the stage at conventions. They make the big, big money. That's what I'm going to do. And I did that. It's a whole other skill set. Mm-hmm. I did it and I liked it and I was good at it. But I realized I have an even better skill. And that is I could make anyone in the room able to get up on a stage and give a speech. And that's how this all started. So the combination of knowing how to teach public speaking, and I have a doctorate in psychology, so I know how to eliminate public speaking fear, I thought at some point I better download this stuff and start giving it away. So that's what I'm doing now. No, I love it. I I think that is probably most people's fear is standing up in front of a crowd, whether it's a crowd of two people, a thousand people, a hundred people and have that fear. The palms get sweaty. You forget the words. So <laughs> I'm really honored to be talking to you today because I know a lot of people want to be confident up there on the stage and to be able to speak eloquently, have their story understood and the audience engaged. So what are some tools that you can give us to help create a confident speaker? I would say the first thing is this. The people who, who are interested in overcoming their public speaking fear, usually people come to me are midway through their careers, like in their 30s or so, and they have done very well and they realize they can't go to the next level unless they can speak well. Mm-hmm. And it's either that they've been avoiding taking jobs that have required more public speaking, or they know that they can you know, power through it, but they can't sleep the night before and it's always unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And, and it's actually usually because they have a big talk coming up and they can't get out of it. And they go, okay, I guess I'm going to handle this. And I would say there are a few things that is that are pretty similar between with all the people. And the first is that, they can speak to one group, one person very well. They can speak to a small group very well. But as soon as it's a certain number of people over that, they just go crazy because I can't speak to a large group. Uh, you know, I have to be different and better than who I am. Mm-hmm. And that in that actually is a lie. If you can speak well to one person or a small group, when you're speaking to a large group, it's a bunch of ones. Or if your favorite size group is five, there's a bunch of fives. They're just a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So if you speak exactly as you do to one person, 
then everyone will hear you and enjoy you. Nobody wants or gets value from formal speaking. So don't don't be different than how you are. Now you want to be slow and clear as you speak. That's certainly important. And you want to have notes and rehearse a lot. Mm-hmm. Don't memorize, but rehearse a lot. And then if you're in person, look at one person and say to yourself, I know I'm good with one. Let me just do what I always do. Because, you know, your inner wisdom knows who you are. Your mean mind says, oh, no, it's a bigger, you know, it just makes you crazy. <laughs> yeah. But the truth is, if you just look at one person and deliver that information to the first person for about five seconds and then move to another person to finish the thought and keep only talking to one person at a time, everyone who's there, who is only one person each, will get your value. Now, when you're on virtual, if you're on Zoom, then you want to keep your eyes on the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Just stay at that point. I mean, I noticed there's such a different vibe between talking on camera, like Zoom versus in person. Um, I know that, you know, when the pandemic happened, a lot of like interviews turned virtually. And I've heard people say that I just can't perform as well uh, during an interview this way versus, you know, if I was in person, cause you can like feel the vibes and stuff. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I know you said, look at the camera, but do you notice that like people shut down more when it's like a virtual talk versus a personal talk? If or- you can see the other people, then it's pretty much the same as being in person. And I would say, think of the five or six people in that group who maybe if if you're speaking to you know your own company, mm-hmm. look at the people you respect and see what their reactions are. Mm-hmm. You know, the lower 20% of people who are always looking to find fault and you know they're always rolling their eyes at you and all that stuff, then don't look at them. <laughs> look at the people who who are, you know, the decision makers who you who you really value. Mm-hmm. If you're nervous about how you're going to come across, Call up someone at work and practice your talk with them and see what they think. Someone that you respect. Not everybody is trustworthy, but choose someone that you can say, let me give you my opener and my close, or here are my main points. Do you think these are the important ones? And the other thing is when you're speaking on Zoom, I would say the biggest issue is when the people who are listening to you do not show their faces, because then your inner wisdom knows you're giving good information your crazy part of you is going, oh, I can't see them. I can't see. Maybe they're frowning. Maybe they don't like it. Maybe they're doing email instead of listening, which they probably are. But the point is, is that the fear comes from not being able to get feedback from people. Mm-hmm. So what I suggest, if you're in a leadership position, that you say to your participants on Thursday's morning, Thursday morning's meeting, I want everyone to show their face. I don't even care if you're at home. I have to see everyone's face. You can't say, okay, from now on, we're all going to be on camera because people will really resent it. But most people accept something for one time. And then here's the trick of getting people to change their behavior. You only make them do it or only suggest you're going to do it for one time. And then once that's done, you say, you know, on our meeting next Tuesday, let's everybody show their face. And then you can kind of encourage that along. But when you can see people's faces, it's a lot easier. And then, as I said, you pick and choose who you want feedback from. 
Yeah. You know, kind of going back to what you mentioned earlier, um, you know, focusing out on one person and then like, you know, finishing the thought on somewhere else, like it kind of brought to me, it's like commanding the stage and using the stage a lot more too, you know, like, because the stage can be really huge versus like, you know, the tiny person. And so it's a really great trick for someone to use to kind of like use and utilize the stage more like to walk and like have movement and look at people and, you know, who knows, maybe you would like look at that person and it, what you're saying is like exactly what they needed to hear at that moment. And you were like staring them dead in the eye (laughs) or whatever, just (laughs) looking in their direction. So, I mean, I think that's a really great tool um, that you had mentioned. And I was like, Oh, that's a really great way to command the stage. Now, What advice would you give? Let's say someone like, let's say someone like me and, you know, wants to be like a public speaker and go out there. What are some things that they can do to help, you know, launch and start that type of career path for themselves? Mm -hmm. The first thing is people say, how can I do a TED talk? It's way, way easier to get a TED talk now because it used to be only TED. And then with the TEDx's and all the variations on the theme, the thing to get one is to look at the ones in your area mm-hmm. and and just apply to all of them. Everyone has slightly different rules and all. So that's how to get a TED Talk. But to be prepared for the TED Talk, think, what is it that I like to talk about that would be most valuable for people? Mm-hmm. And it's usually related to your work, but it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, you you one of your gifts is that you like people to take a look at what are their strengths and how they can earn money from the things that have come easily to them. So that, you know, that's what happiness comes from. When they say, if you do work, you love, you never have to work another day. I never understood that until I realized, oh, I see. What are the skills that are natural for you? What were the courses you liked in high school? What are the mm-hmm. things that are that your friends come to you for? Those are your best skills. See if you can find work that matches that. And then choose a topic write an outline to be a professional speaker, even if you want to speak at conventions. Mm-hmm. People who are professional speakers, we work long and hard on an outline to make sure that it works. And even as you're brainstorming, don't write whole sentences, just put bullets on an outline mm-hmm. or make a mind map. Mm-hmm. And then once you have a talk that looks pretty good, begin to rehearse it aloud by yourself in your own bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> because the first time you say it out loud, no one's good. I stink. Everybody stinks. But as a professional speaker, I know that the fifth or sixth time I go through it, it's going to be smoother. I'm going to more easily look at my notes, look up and be able to speak. People who are afraid of public speaking, they rehearse the first time and they also stink. But they say, oh, you see, I can't do it. And they walk away. Yeah. So the The second time they ever do it is in front of the real people and they're not going to be very good, which reinforces their fears. Mm -hmm. So I would say spending a lot of time beforehand and rehearsing a lot, memorize only two things, the opener and the close. So you can make eye contact for the opener and close. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the time have very brief notes so that you can just look at the bullet What you can do on Zoom is make a little outline on some notes and stick it next to your camera, and then you look brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) And rehearse it, rehearse it to the camera the way you're going to. And this way, you will sound a little more spontaneous. You'll give the speech you plan to give, 
but it's all in the preparation. And it's not just writing and kind of mumbling through or knowing what I'm going to say. The rehearsing aloud is imperative. And I can tell you, I don't like to rehearse. Yeah. I don't know anyone in my line of work who likes to rehearse. I suggest rehearsing five minutes at a time. Always rehearse the opener and close because you want them to be smooth. And then rehearse maybe some section that you've changed or you've adjusted or something. Mm -hmm. And keep your notes in your car when you're stuck in traffic. Pull up your notes and rehearse. So that's how you get better is that you rehearse bits and pieces and then it all comes together. But I definitely suggest speaking as though you're giving a big speech, even when you're at the Monday morning meeting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, how you show up in practice is how you're going to show up for the game. So, you know, you got to actually, you know, give it your all during those practice times. So it makes sense, you know, it goes hand in hand, whether if you're, you know, practicing for a football game or if you're, you know, trying to speak in front of an audience. Totally makes sense. So what do you think is one of your personal habits that um, helped contribute to your success? Oh, here's the big one. The very first time I did training in front of adults, the first night I went, oh, this is, I like this. And I think many people have had that experience of doing something and going, oh, I like this. That's something to pursue and do more of. But what I noticed was I knew what I was going to say, but I would go off on tangents and I would ramble on and on. And I said to myself, look, you got to fix that. So this is what I did. I said, for one year, you may only give the talk you prepared, no matter what you think of. It was very awakening (laughs) because as I gave the talk and I thought, oh, I could add this or I just didn't let myself do it. Then Mm -hmm. after, and I mean, I did it for a year. And after that, when I would have a thought, because sometimes your intuition says, oh, I should say this now. Or it says, your intuition says, don't say that now, hold it because they need to hear this other thing now. So I listen to the intuition, but I don't automatically act on it. Because before I had a thought, add this, add this, add this. And then I would go off on something, I'd lose my place. Sometimes I would speak about something that was coming later. So when I got there, I didn't have the impact. Mm -hmm. I knew I had to fix it. And even now, after all these years, because that was a long long time ago, once in a while, I'll go off on a tangent. And as soon as I notice it, because I work so hard on it, that I'm much more aware when I'm doing it, I just pull myself back. Because nobody likes it when someone's off, 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 and it's just all over the place. If anyone listening or anyone watching, if anyone says to you at work, hey, get to the point. What's the point? <laughs> That's you. <laughs> so, I, so the point is, is that one, come in with notes. Mm-hmm. A big mistake. The second mistake people make who are fearful of speaking is they know what they're going to say at the meeting, but they don't come in with notes. And so every talk is an impromptu. Yeah. Now that, That's just silly. So don't write out your notes. I'll say that 10 more times, but put some bullets on a page or on a sticky and either speak from it on Zoom or in person, put that in front of you or use PowerPoint speakers notes, but do something so that you give the talk you planned and you don't have to go, um, 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 it was one more thing I wanted to say. People resent that, that you didn't, you knew you were having this talk a month ago. I guess you could have written some notes for us. I know. So people like it when you come in, when you come in prepared. Yeah, because you could be rehearsing it over and over in your head, but then when it comes to the point 
to be up there. It's like a uh, brain fart, like a hundred percent. I remember That's I was going to speak in front of um, like a city council and I had like all this thing I was going to say in my head and I was like, oh, I don't need my phone for the notes. Like I got it. Like I know what I want to say. And I went up there and bombed it, you know? Wow. And I, I, I mean, I, in the beginning it was good, but then I just was like, oh wait, what did I want to say again? Like I totally should have had my notes. I mean, it wasn't like, horrible. I survived, but, but it was definitely a learning lesson. And, um, for me thinking like, I need to have notes if I'm going to speak on any subject (laughs) because I may think I'm solid in my brain, repeating it Mm -hmm. and repeating it, but it's always good to have your notes because once you get up there, sometimes your brain goes, ah, it's real. It's here. We're talking. (laughs) And I'll, I'll tell another advantage of having notes is when I'm delivering one point, I don't want part of my brain going, don't forget to say this next. Don't forget to say this next. Mm-hmm. That's not smart. I want to use my all my skills to teach that one piece of information the best I can, the best wording, the best voice, the best body language. I deliver it the best way I can. The only reason we're speaking is that we have ideas in our head and we're trying to shove it into their heads. Mm-hmm. So I do one point at a time. When I'm finished, I look at my notes. I deliver the next one and only focus on that. I make no effort to memorize my talk. Yeah. Um, So kind of let's talk about the book a little bit. You know, what prompted you to write this book? Um, Who is someone, what's its um, reader? You know, who would, who would benefit most from having this book? What I noticed, this is like two years ago when I really, you know, put all the notes I've had over the years in one place. As a TED Talk trainer, I know how to, when I meet people, I can see in one second, oh, they need to speak slower. They need to write better. They Their opener was kind of, it didn't really grab people's attention. And those things are easy. And I've taught them for so long that I knew how to teach them. And secondly, I knew how to fix public speaking fear. I studied with the man who invented, the man who created cognitive therapy, Albert Ellis. I studied with him in his 90s. Mm -hmm. And I work fast and I like to fix people and shove them out of the nest. And I thought, you know what? People around the world are afraid of public speaking. Good people are not speaking up. Now, the bad people around the world speak like marketing and public relations people. They speak well. So it it just doesn't make sense when good people can't really express themselves. I thought, you know what? I think I'll put this in a book, but not an academic book. I don't know if you can tell. It's written small, like a children's book. Yeah. And the person who's learning how to speak, I don't know if you can, you know, hold this up. Look at look at Mr. Bear. Yeah. Look how unthreatening. So I wrote it in two forms. Every single chapter is a story of how he says, well, how do you open or how do you organize or how do you stop speaking fear? So every chapter is him learning from different people at work. Mm-hmm. However, I don't like to read books that are in story form. It's not my way of learning. I like, just give me the outline. Just give me the punchline. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I wrote every chapter with content, including 45 different tips of how to stop being fearful of public speaking. So I wrote it as a story each chapter. And after each story, there's a summary in bullets the way I like. And then isolated under that is the speaking fear hints. So every single chapter, someone like me can just look at the end of each chapter and get all the punchlines. But I'll tell you this, 
when someone reads this book, they will be able to speak well. Mm -hmm. And also they will speak without fear. It is a sure thing. I've had 25 years of researching the topic and I have dumped everything in my head into a book. And that's what Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear is. It's a quick and easy way to get really good, really fast. Some people are taking it with a friend and they're like doing the course together. Love that. Oh, that's a good idea, you know, to work on it with someone. Um, I love that. So how can people get their hands on this book? Oh, it's so hard. It's on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hardest way to get it. (laughs) It's on Amazon. It'll be with you immediately. There's obviously the hard copy and I'm actually writing it in Spanish now. Oh, oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. So do you have any last words for us before we say goodbye today? Here's my last tip. You know how the first five minutes you're a little fearful and then you kind of get relaxed and you're more confident and you look confident, you sound confident, you act confident. Everyone who's looking or listening to this, take five minute later, you select copy and paste and act like that for the first five minutes. It doesn't matter if you're fearful the whole talk. You act like confident you, even though you really want to throw up throughout the whole talk. (laughs) I love that. Well, Risa, thank you so much for coming on this episode today. It was a very fruitful conversation, and I hope people are feeling more confident and they grab your book so they have the tools to be confident, speaking publicly and dropping those fears. And everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Book Smarts, Authors on Show. And I hope to see you guys all in the next one. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Book Smarts, Authors on Show here on the In the Limelight Podcast Network, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to tell your friends.